Hey friend, this is Ryan Thomas. We're so blessed and grateful you're listening to On the Road and supporting Faith Radio. You are quite simply the best and we appreciate you so much. Enjoy the show. Discovering stories of courage, determination, and hope. Welcome to Faith Radio's On the Road. Now, here's Ryan Thomas. While the battle against the terrorist organization ISIS was waged by armies and air forces over the past decade, but the people of Iraq and Syria whose homes and neighborhoods became the battlefield were forever changed by the war. They're often forgotten in the headlines of shifting borders and international alliances. But David Eubank, his family, and his free Burma Rangers saw the need. The Rangers are a Christian service movement that provides medical and humanitarian assistance on the very front lines of the world's war zones and hotspots. And David tells the extraordinary story in his new book, Do This for Love, Free Burma Rangers in the Battle of Mosul. Welcome to the show, sir. What an honor to have you here today. How does this day find you? Wonderful. I'm in this (laughs) beautiful part of the world called America. Uh, And within that, I'm in a beautiful part called Colorado. And within that, I'm at my friend Victor Marks and Chaz Yandel's place in the Colorado Springs in the Black Forest looking at Pikes Peak where America the Beautiful was written. The song was written on top of that mountain. Uh, And so I'm happy to be back in America. We're on a brief trip here, but I'm grateful. Can I just say that was one of the most uh, stirring and beautiful responses to how are you doing today that I've ever received. Well done. Thanks. (laughs) Well, it's all because of God and other people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, good, sir. You are in the business of doing exactly the opposite of most of the rest of us on planet Earth. You see the most dangerous places in the world, the hotspots, the war zones, and that is where you go. Why? Number one, because God's love compels me, what he's done for me compels me to help others and do what I can't do very well, but I also have seen the effect and power of the love of Jesus, and I want to share that and help. That's a spiritual reason, and I think that's where God has me and my family. And then second is an intellectual reason. Oppression is wrong. I want to stand against it. The third is an emotional reason. I love these people. And you know, usually they love me first. That's not the way it should be. <laughs> but they're better than I am, I feel. And they love me first, and I love them. And once you love someone, you're going to stay with them. Not because they're perfect, not because they're right, because you love them. And that overcomes your fears. And then finally, um, the last reason is physical. I love doing this work. I like going where things go boom. That doesn't, you can't call that heroic. It's like a firefighter. Man, they like that stuff. So I try to keep it in that order. It's not always in that order, but it's spiritual first, intellectual and, and emotional together, and then last physical. And if it goes that way, it usually has a good result. And many times I'm tempted to put other things before God, and then it's a train wreck. But I thank God that we can send many times and he keeps forgiving us and giving us new chances. And, you know, I think one of the roles of the church is to point people to Jesus, but also 
for those that join the church when they fail, not to condemn them, but to say, man, let's get rid of that sin. We're going to, and let's build each other up and keep going. Because one day I'm weak, tomorrow you're weak. But together we can overcome this. Let me ask you right now, because you referenced really that biblical concept of perfect love driving out fear. And I've been so fascinated by the distance between the word fearlessness and the word courage. But what it is for you when you head into those most dangerous places where literally the bullets are flying around your head and there are explosions all around you. Describe how it is. Describe how it works that you're able to to operate at such a high level, to have the courage to be able to do what it is you do every day. I think the first thing is prayer. Lord, what do you want me to do? When, you, when you're faced with something, um, it, you have time. Even as you may be running towards the action or away from it, but you can, you can pray and run at the same time. Jesus, what do I do? What do I do? And he will tell you, run, stop, go, whatever. And when he tells you to do it, he goes with you. And that overcomes your fear. We don't want to be led by pride. We don't want to be led by comfort. We don't want to be led by fear. And pride and fear are kind of opposite sides of things. But we want to be led by love and the opportunities of love that Jesus gives us each day. And when you're in a dramatically dangerous situation, there's also an opportunity. But you want to be led by him. Which direction do you go? And I found that when I say, Jesus, I'm afraid, but I know you want me to do this. Please help me. Please give me love. That love overcomes fear. So it's not fearlessness. You know, I think at some point I could say my fear went away. And you could say at that moment I was fearless. But that's only a moment. It's not overcome by the purpose that God's given you, by commitment, by love. But when that moment's over, and before that moment, you are not fearless. You have, unless you're insane, you got fear. <laughs> and, but, but it's not a question of do you have fear. It's what do you do with that fear. It's, it's a good check of motives. You know, you have to do something in life, whatever it is. It doesn't have to be about bullets. It can be about a business contract or a date or anything. And fear comes up. You recognize it as fear and go, okay, I'm not going to be guided by it. I'm not going to be led by fear. But I'll check my motives. And I say, Lord, now I'm afraid. Did I bite off more than I could chew? Did I come here because of pride? Was I trying to impress somebody? Was I greedy? What are my motives? And I lift them all up to, and confess them to God and then see what's left. And for me, in some of those times of danger, no, nope, it wasn't pride. Yes, I'm proud. Yes, I'm selfish. Yes, I'm an idiot. But that's not what got me here. It was love. It was God's leading. So I'm afraid, but I'm going to do it anyway because I know he wants me to and he's with me. And that's how you overcome fear. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for that. That was that was a real treat coming from you. Mr. David Eubank is with us today on the road. He founded the Christian Humanitarian Service Movement, the Free Burma Rangers, and authors Do This for Love, Free Burma Rangers in the Battle of Mosul. We're talking about the Free Burma Rangers, the incredible things that you do. You're going to places that most other organizations simply won't go. I mean, it's... It's not only remarkable, but really what you're doing is quite vital as well. Well, thanks. And thanks for talking about the book. We wrote Do This for Love, Freedom Rangers in the Battle of Mosul, because we wanted to be testimony of God do in our lives and among other people. 
We wanted people to get to know people of Burma, which are to me like a combination of hobbits and, and Davy Crockett. They're <laughs> awesome. As well as the people of Iraq. You know, Iraq, I was an American soldier before. And Iraq was our enemy. And God gave us the opportunity to meet Iraqis in battle and see how brave they were, how caring they were, how generous they were. And also they believe they're Muslims, but they believe in God. They never doubt when I said, when he said, General Mustafa, well, how did you get here? He says to me, who sent you? I said, God sent me. And he was like, how did you know? How does he talk to you? It wasn't like, oh, there's no God or you're an idiot. You're a religious nut. No, 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 no. They believe in God. You know, one time, um, it's in the movie, the documentary, Three Burm Rangers. It's also in the book. We're trying to rescue this girl. And there's a street littered with dead. ISIS killed 150 people on the street. And they had long axes of the street in a ruined hospital. They'd set up anti-tank systems, anti-aircraft and ground plane mode systems, heavy machine guns, mortars, RPGs. You couldn't even drive a tank down that road. And much less try to run across and save these people. And early in the morning, there were seven kids alive among the dead bodies and a couple adults. Very quickly, there was only one kid left alive, hiding under a dead mother and these two men. And I'm praying, how do I get there? 150 yards of open ground. Not even an armored vehicle can make it. And I'm praying. And finally, I'm talking to my American friends because I used to be in special forces. So now I'm, I'll be 60 in a month at the Battle of Mosul. I was 57. So if you're 57 and still in the army, you're a general. Well, my friends were generals. And I called them up on my iPhone and I said, can you see what's going on with your drones? I need smoke. And these guys go, let's coordinate with the Iraqis so we do it right. So I'm running back and forth with the Iraqis and the Iraqis are talking to the Americans and the Americans start dropping smoke and obscuring the enemy so we have a chance to get the girls. And I say to the Iraqi army, give me one tank, one bulldozer, and three Humvees. And I'll put my Humvee in there also. And we'll, the tank will go first, blasting at ISIS. The bulldozer will clear our way through the rubble. The armored Humvees, and mine included, will come up and will rescue everybody. Very fast and not sure we'll live, but we have a good chance that way. And Iraqi said, nope. We've got a battle all over this city. We've lost almost all our tanks. We care about those kids, but we got other kids and people to rescue. We can't risk it. And I turned to the Iraqi commanders, the smoke was falling, and I said, if Allah told you to do this, would you do it? And he looked at me surprised. He goes, yes. So I grabbed his hand and I said, dear God, please tell this commander what to do. In Jesus' name, in Yeshua's name, I pray. His name. And he looked at me and opened his eyes and I said, what did God tell you? And he said, one tank. Take it or leave it. I was like, oh, no bulldozer, no Humvees, just one tank. I said, I'll take it. And we said the Lord's Prayer, and we ran behind that tank through bullets, RPG, mortars, and we were able to save this girl and two of the men. Then one of them was killed as we were saving him. So we had one man and one girl. One of my guys was shot in the leg and wounded, ex-Navy SEAL, great guy. Others with me were Sky Barkley, ex-Marine. Monkey from Burma, my chaplain, who filmed some of it. Zhao Sang was back there. Ilya, our chief medic in tow. Dolo and Mahmoud. And a journalist friend drove the extraction Humvee, and it was Bernard. And my daughter drove one of the ambulances. And then my wife and other daughter and son with the casualty collection. But we're all in this together. And so what, what happened? God moved this, this commander's heart and gave us away. The American military provided smoke. The Iraqi tank crew braved certain destruction. And we went along. All of this together is how God worked it out. And so... That's, to me, 
one of the stories that's in the book of, of how God uses everybody and everything for good in spite of the evil that's around. Oh, it, thank you so much for telling the story. I mean, it's the book is full of extraordinary stories uh, like that. By the way, the DVD, the documentary film that you mentioned, Free Burma Rangers, I believe that itself is actually just out and available on DVD as well. Is that right? Yes, sir. You can get the whole movie on Amazon. You can stream it. You can own it. Or you can get it on from Amazon or Christian Media, another service, or Vimeo. And you can get the DVD by looking at Free Burma Ranger movie or FBR movie, or you can look at our website, www.freeburmaranger.org. Either one of those, you can find a link to buy a DVD. And we're grateful. Lifeway, which is a Christian Southern Baptist organization, put the film on. Day Docs, which our good friends made the film, and then we're part of it. And so it's a team effort, and I'm grateful for the entire team that made it possible. You know, when you talk about the Battle of Mosul, so much of the story takes place there. I think much of what we heard in the news during the time was about just the the sheer total ruthlessness of ISIS. One of the things reading what you'd written that I was struggling to just wrap my head around was the tens of thousands upon tens of thousands of displaced people. I mean, this battle is raging in their streets, in their homes, and here they are, all these thousands of people displaced. When you come to a place and when you encounter that, I mean, how on earth do you even know where to start helping? I think you start with a very first person in front of you, and you start with a smile. And I usually pray what to say. And it's not always, but it kind of goes like this. I smile at them. And I embrace them and I say, God bless you. God bless you. In Jesus' name, how can we help you? And if they're wounded, it's very evident. If not, food or water or move this way. And it's just one by one. You know, none of us are God. None of us are angels, except in the sense of the word angel that we can be messengers of God. And we don't have to do what humans can do. But God knows that. And so he'll enable you to do what you need to do one person at a time. Now, the involvement of your whole family in this effort is such a special part of the story. And you've said that the reason you do this work together is both because you love each other and that your family as a unit has a unique opportunity to love others there. Can you impact the meaning in that? Yes. Before we had children, Karen and I were already involved in Burma. I mean, our honeymoon, we got married in Malibu on the beach in 1993, and right away we were in Burma in the fighting area. But later on, when we were talking about having kids, we thought, you know, what are we going to do if we have kids? We're already deep in this Burma mission. Five years now. And that's our family. We're going to keep going. And what if our kid died of malaria or an accident or got shot by the Burma army? Could we live as a couple? Could we live ourselves? No. I wouldn't want to be alive. And what are we going to do? And we prayed and my wife said, Dave, we should not be led by the evil things that can happen. We should be led by the opportunities God gives us. Don't live in the what ifs, in what God has for you. You know, the Psalms 23, at the end, he says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. The enemies are there and they're real and they do want to hurt you and they can. But what are you going to do at the table God made for you? Look at the food and enjoy it or look at the enemies. And that's a daily choice every human has to make. And so with our, with our kids, and the answer is found in God. I can't tell you the answer, but God will tell you the answer. And for us, the answer was have kids, enjoy them. 
and be with your family, which in that case was the people of Burma. So our kids were born, and right away, they're in the jungle. And I remember we took our kids to Sudan, the new amount, and they said, oh, you brought your kids? That means we're the same. In Iraq, I had my family. Oh, you brought your most precious thing. We give our most precious thing, our country. And so doors are open. You can go anywhere because they trust us. We're not there to kill them and take things from them. We're there to be with them. And then the comfort that my wife and kids give to other wives and kids, it's unmeasurable. And then from my kids, they get to grow up riding horses, driving Humvees, about how to ride an Arabian horse in the deserts of Syria at full speed without a bridle, <laughs> how to make a house out of bamboo, how to hunt and fish, and then come back to America. What awesome people we have in this country. We're up in Alaska running amok, or we're in Atlanta in a church or in New Hampshire on the beach, or in California with another church, or surfing with a pastor. What a cool world God made, and what freedom he gave those people. And so whether we're in America with our kids, or in Burma, or Iraq with our kids, it's all part of God's gifts. And we know there's dangers, and we try to mitigate them. I don't try to take my kids right where the shooting is. They're usually back at a casualty collection point, or where other families are. And we've been blessed, you know, that our kids haven't been killed or died. All my kids almost died of malaria, typhus, and pneumonia inside Burma, and they didn't. It was a miracle. And if they did, what would happen? I'd cry a lot. I'd be broken. And I'd only be able to say, Jesus, help me. And I'd have to rely on him. That has not happened to us yet. I've lost friends, though, and I've learned this. You can live well with sorrow. You can't live well with shame. Jesus came to take away our shame. But he too was sorrow. Jesus, he wept. And I think weeping and sorrow is part of love. You can't escape it. But it doesn't crush you. It doesn't cripple you. It can deepen your empathy for others. And it deepens longing and the hope for our future home in heaven where we're all going to get to. Because no matter how well you take care of your kids on this earth, they're going to leave it like we are. You cannot hold on to anything. So the question isn't how are you going to die and when you're going to die. It's how do you live? Oh, man. What a story. We're talking with David Eubank today. He founded the Christian Humanitarian Service Movement, Free Burma Rangers, and authors the book, Do This for Love, Free Burma Rangers in the Battle of Mosul. Uh, Ryan Thomas with you here for Faith Radio's On the Road. And the story that you told earlier about your conversation with General Mustafa, I, I found that very fascinating because... I think it is so easy to think in terms of us and them, you know, uh, in terms of Christians and Muslims, in terms of Americans and Iraqis. But there was something about that conversation that just drew me because there was this connection that you formed on the basis of you both loved your families. Uh, you both loved your countries. You were both uh, battling with evil in this world. Can you explain just a little bit about that connection and how I think it could transform us as well if we were able to find some of that perspective for ourselves? Well, the very first thing I want to say is we're all God's creation. In every war and the end of civil war, you're going to fight your brother. And that we need to respect each other, everyone. But you don't have to respect their decisions. We don't have to. We don't have to even agree, but we need to respect each other. And when I went over... I have to, I'm ashamed to admit it, but it's true. Before I worked with the Iraqis, I was prejudiced against them. I thought a bunch of lazy, cowardly, disorganized, radical people. Mm -hmm. That's what I thought. 
And, you know, there are some that are that way, just like there's some Americans that are that way, like people. And like I'm sometimes that way. So when I met them in the field of battle and I saw their bravery and I saw their generosity and how they cared for their enemies, their enemies, I was like, wow, who are these people? I was so wrong. I feel ashamed. I'm sorry. I remember General Mustafa thought the same of us. He said, I lost my country almost completely to ISIS and was losing everything. And I called out to God, God saved my country. And he told me, you know what God did? He sent the worst two things to me, an American Christian. That's the worst. And he sent me an American Christian and we become a family. He said, go tell the Americans, we love you. Please love us. Thank you for showing us what it means to follow Jesus. And so Mustafa did not become a follower of Jesus yet, as far as I know. But we pray together and we love each other and we work together. And two Iraqi soldiers that work with us did become followers of Jesus. One, Muhammad, became a follower of Jesus and was shot six times, saving a person that we were trying to save. And we baptized him later in the Tigris. You know, we just have a few a few minutes left here on the road today, but really the totality of the story that you tell is the answer to this question. But I can't resist asking you because I know that your answer is going to be awesome. Uh, we look at the Middle East, I think especially. You've been all over the world, both in your military service and with the Free Burma Rangers. But we look at the Middle East and we see, I think, uh, something for which we don't have a lot of hope. You know, conflicts that have been continuing for generation after generation. But you are there. You're putting your life on the line. Your family putting their life on the line. Your your volunteers, these families and friendships that you form. What is the hope that keeps you going in the face of even just some of the bleakest humanity has to offer in terms of ISIS? I think the hope I have is changed lives. You know, going to a blown-up church in Raqqa, the capital of ISIS, they'd blown this church up and thought they were going to rule the world from this area. As we're in the ruins of the church, I said this prayer with my team, Lord, please help this church be rebuilt and Christians come back. And as soon as I said that prayer, I thought, that's a stupid prayer. What are you trying to, who are you trying to impress? Would you want to come back here? And even if you build a church, you'll get blown up. And I said, God, how do I pray? And he, God told me in my spirit, Pray that same prayer, but this time with faith. And so I prayed that prayer. Lord Jesus, help us rebuild this. Somebody rebuild this church and the Christians come back. And I walked out of the church and this guy comes up to me, two men, one guy with an AK, one guy without. What are you doing here? I said, I'm praying for this church. He said, that's our church. I was one of four Christians left in this place in Heidi. And now 19 have come back. I was shot four times by ISIS. And we've been praying to rebuild this church. Wow. Well, Due to not our funds and not our help, but other people around the world giving, we're rebuilding that church right now in Raqqa. That gives me hope. You know who's the general contractor? He's a Muslim Arab. Why are you doing this, man? The ISIS sleeper cells can kill you for doing this. He goes, Christians took us in when we were in need. We're going to rebuild their church. So my hope is grounded not in human actions or even human conversions, mine or Hamdu's or others, but in the knowledge and feeling and faith that Jesus will prevail and his way will prevail and love always wins. Always, mm. always. And it's the thing that makes you happy when you do it. So that's, that's why I have my hope and change lives and change attitudes and renewing and rebuilding. 
you know, it's asymmetrical warfare. You break it, we'll build it again. You break it, we'll build it again. God will not get tired, and he'll give us his strength. And so that's my hope, and I can't think of another way to spend my life. So I don't want to be bogged down in sin on one hand, on one side of the trail, or the swamp of doing good Christian things that other people may want me to do, but God didn't tell me to do. I want to be on his narrow path of the things he has me do. So that's all I have hope. Well, it's hard to find the words uh, for the wisdom, for the inspiration that this conversation has been. But wow, David Eubank has been with us today on Faith Radio. He's founded the Christian Humanitarian Service Movement, the Free Burma Rangers. And his brand new book is called Do This for Love. Free Burma Rangers in the Battle of Mosul. There's also the DVD of just a remarkable documentary film available called Free Burma Rangers. Uh, David, I just can't can't tell you what a encouragement, what a blessing this has been uh, for me personally. Thank you so much for your time, sir. It was such a pleasure. Thank you. Can I say two things? Yes, you sure can. One, the word is Jesus. He is the author of all goodness. And he's the answer to all our problems. And then the second thing is thank you for proclaiming his name and thank you for encouraging people like me. And thank you for how you humbly shine a light through people and so that in the midst of the peopleness, people can see God. And I'm so grateful for what you're doing. And I ask God's blessing and protection, funding and power and wisdom as you do what you can do. And I'm grateful you're shining a light all over the world. So thank you. Oh, my word. God bless you, my friend. Thank you so much once again. It's just been an absolute pleasure to have you. Thanks for sharing in the story of this latest episode of Faith Radio's On the Road. For more on today's conversation and the full podcast archive of all our episodes, look for On the Road when you visit MyFaithRadio.com. Thanks so much for listening to On the Road. Programming like this happens because of your incredible support. You can learn more about partnering financially at MyFaithRadio.com. And we'd be so glad to connect with you during the week on social media. Just search for On the Road with Ryan Thomas on Facebook. And our Twitter handle is at OnTheRoadRyan. Until next time, God bless you, my friend.